It's, it's Big Four! Big Wide Web, they call the internet. We're different types of social media. Store the information sort of like encyclopedia. What is up, you guys? It's Big Marv here, and welcome back to an exciting episode of Big Marv's Network. Just give us a couple minutes here. I'm waiting for Isaac to jump on, and we will jump into it. How's everybody doing tonight? I see we already got a couple people added in here. Oh, that looks like Isaac has just joined me. Let me get him added to the stream. What's good, my man? Isaac, how's it going? There we go. Okay, cool. Trying to make sure video come across. Good. Man, I am feeling amazing, honestly. Blessed. Live. Got coffee. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a while since uh, we've talked. Actually, Big Marv's network has been offline for about four, four months now. Mm -hmm. uh, and you were the last episode of... Big Mars Network back uh, back in November. So, tell us yeah. a little bit about your journey, and you know, just what's been going on with you since November. Since November, man, um, it was actually farther than November, my man. We did we did that before I even flew over to France. Oh so, yeah, okay, it's, been, it's been a little bit longer. And yeah. just didn't get posted till November. So oh, yeah, was, we actually yeah. interviewed you before then. So yeah, so yeah, just give it give us like where you've been at since last summer. Yeah, well, um, let's see. Whenever we we recorded the podcast, it was right before I was going over to France and I flew over to France for a girl. Um, bought a one-way ticket, and man, it's it's a crazy story. Every single time I tell it, I get get a lot of people who are like, what what the heck you mean? Like, you mean you flew overseas, one-way ticket? Yeah, never met the um girl, but I was over in France for a little bit over a month, um, dived into the culture, you know, met some really, really amazing people. Uh, things didn't work out with the girl, but I still learned a lot of great things and had a really phenomenal experience. Um, and then I ended up coming back home to Jacksonville, Florida, stayed with my grandparents for a little bit of time. And I was actually confronted with the same exact issues that I was confronted with way back when I moved to California in July. And so fast forward a couple months, I really didn't do too much, but I came up with some phenomenal ideas for uh, my record label that I'm now in the process of launching excess records decided that my passion actually lied in the music industry and a couple other things. And so, although I didn't get a lot of things done, the ideas were there. And so even if it took me five years to come up with the idea, that's going to make me a millionaire, a billionaire, I think it would be worth it. Um, and so now I'm back out in Bakersfield, California, I had a friend of mine. He's like, Isaac, you're not really getting too much done at home. So he's like, book a flight back out to Cali. And so here I am fast forward a month and a half and just, going full speed ahead. You know, I was, I was on a phone call this morning and I was like, you know what? I can't even say that the momentum is about to start because I'm already in momentum. The snowball is already going down the hill. So it's, it's a really exciting time. Okay. What, what would you say would be your, your biggest takeaway from your France experience? The biggest takeaway would be Honestly, it would be on a relationship level, not to put another person on such a high pedestal, you forget yourself, you know? Um, I think that would be the biggest thing that I, I could take away from that. And then aside from that, it, it also just showed me to get out of my comfort zone to a degree that I've never been. And a lot of people are afraid to do something that might make them uncomfortable. And so that's something I really encourage people to do, you know, whether that's sleeping on the floor, taking cold showers, doing something that kind of builds character and builds that mental toughness and also that belief in yourself because you know what you're capable of. 
Don't get scared to make yourself uncomfortable. I think, you know, truer, truer words can't be spoken. You know, like, even myself in my current position, like, if shit hit the fan for me, like, relationship-wise, and it just wasn't working out, um, I, I would be sleeping in my car, you know? Like, I would be taking my laptop, like, I have my iPad with dedicated hot spots, so, like, I got my laptop and my iPad would suck. Yeah, but I refuse to go back to work. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I've, uh, I've connected with a lot of entrepreneurs and I've even had this this uh, argument with my own wife where like, you know, because this is a hard journey, right? A lot of people see us out here living life and they're like, fuck, I want to do that. I hate reporting to a boss. Right, but they don't see like all the behind the scenes stuff, like the hustle and the grind and the yeah, there there is no guaranteed paycheck every two weeks. It's like you gotta you gotta find that, you gotta make that. And um but at the same on the same token, you know, I, I've heard of guys going back to work because their old ladies can't take it. Like they're just like, You gotta go do something, you know, like I can't I can't take the struggle no more, right? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen in a couple months, and they're just like, yeah, yeah, go back to work. This ain't working. Like, I, I can't stand the struggle. Like, even if they're getting by, you know, it's just a fucking struggle, right? And yeah. uh, and so they throw it away, and they go back to work, and they're fucking miserable again. They get back in the rat race, and they're just, just because they're like, well, you know, we couldn't take being uncomfortable for six months we're gonna take being uncomfortable for a year so they're gonna go get comfortable but be miserable so i guess it's like uh, at least for me it's dude i have i have to make the choice do i want to be miserable or do i want to be uncomfortable and you just have to know yeah you're gonna be miserable in both situations but the miserable of while you're being uncomfortable is only temporary as long as you work hard and you're consistent you're gonna get past the the uncomfortable phase Right. Yeah. You know, you know where you're going and you know what you're working towards and sacrifice is required. You know, a lot of people aren't willing to sacrifice, you know, a, week, a year, two, three, four years of their life in order to live a lifestyle that other people can only dream of. I don't think people quite realize what's possible in a five year time frame. You know, they go to college for four years. So why can't you sacrifice four years to maybe, you know, I don't want to say shit because that's what Gary Vee always says. I would I would rather just say, you know. Make the sacrifices, you know, not going out, not smoking, not doing some things that you might have been doing before. You know, that could affect your, you know, your your business, your hustle, your, um, you know, what you're working towards. And man, that that was an interesting thing you mentioned regarding the relationship, you know. And that's why I think it's really important with who we get in relationships with. We want to make sure that who we're dating, who we marry to, is on our level of support. You know, they're willing to. Go go through and sac- make those same sacrifices as we are in order to get to the other side, you know, making sure things line up. That's a very good point to mention. And, and I was actually talking to a friend of mine this morning. Uh, his name is Brandon. And he was telling me about how uh, he had a lot that like, like shit hit the fan when it came to his business and stuff for the past. He's been in a very low point. He's been working on getting his way out. And he went to a factory job for two weeks. And he was like, I'm, he just went back to paycheck because it's, situation and uh he busted his ass for two weeks got an 800 paycheck he got the paycheck and he's like no sir and then he quit and then within like within a week of getting back into his grind he made two grand 
So it's like, it's really about being able to be uncomfortable and, and recognize that the only way that you're going to eat is if you go out and hunt your food, you get your food. Like it's, it's kind of like the, the old, um, you know, hunter gatherer, right? Like you just boil it down to, you know, our, our core skill sets as human beings, you know, like we, we all have that drive built into us. Like we might not be taking mm-hmm. advantage of it, you know, it, cause it is really easy. Yeah. Like as someone that works corporate for six years, like it is very easy to just collect the check, be comfortable. And, but um, I, at least for me, I was always constantly wondering like, you know, is there more to life than this, right? Like, it, like what? What's the next thing? Like, it, what? What's the point? What's the point behind it all? You know, what's the what's the reason for showing up every week and putting in my my forty hours? And like, what what's the result of of doing that? What are, what are we going to be, or what am I going to leave behind when I'm done putting in my forty hours? So let's uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Did you like you're a little bit younger than me, but I imagine you've had jobs or careers or something at this point. Did you did you work any kind of careers or anything before you jumped into your matchment interest? You still with me? Uh, I think we got some uh, technical issues Copy going on. For the, past. for the past minute, am I back now? Am I, am I clear now? I, I'm a little bit choppy. I did not, not hear anything you said. <laughs> All right. Um, how, how's the audio right now? Is it good or is it still choppy? Close everything on my computer. Test one, two. Uh, I can hear you. Can you hear me? That's a little bit. Better, yeah. You will. All right. Yeah. So you get, can you hear? I can not hear anything. anything that. I'm, I'm gonna... half. I was trying to say something. You are very. I don't think it is on my end. I have full service right now. Uh, let's see. Give me one second. I'm gonna try to reboot. Be right back, you guys. All right. How how is that? Am I? Can you hear me? You sound a little bit better. Give us a yeah. 
Well, that's the that's the most that I can do. Um, I guess I can try, I can try dropping and coming back completely, but it'll get rid of the original stream. <coughs> How are you guys in the comments? Can you hear me clearly? I can't hear Isaac at all. All right, you guys, uh, we're having some technical difficulties. I don't know if you can hear me right now, but I'm going to re restart this broadcast and see uh, if that will fix the problems that we're having right now. So, Isaac, if you can hear me right now, I will be sending you a new link here in a minute. And not a lot. Well, there should be a 12-second delay, like if you're watching it from another device. There should be a 12-second delay from like what we say until what actually shows up on Facebook. Okay. But well, we already are just live. speaking, I'm noticing a delay. Like yeah, it's already a little bit choppy already. Yeah, it's already starting. Yeah, it's choppy. already started. <laughs> it's already going. Damn it, why don't we... uh, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> what if we what if we just go ahead and record in Zoom and then you can just upload it to the group instead of going live? Yeah, I know that the plan was to go live, but I think that's what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna drop a zoom link and uh let's see how that goes. So Look yeah, at your Zoom. Not, I, I want to make sure no that you know, both of us come across clear. So, give me a second. I'll I'll send you that Zoom link. So, any of you guys that are tuning okay. in right now, we're gonna move this over to Zoom because we don't know if it's a Streamyard or an internet connection issue. So we're we're gonna just go with Zoom and uh, kill the live broadcast this week. So we'll see you guys in a minute. Can you see my hand waving? Yeah. We're good. Thumbs up. Cool. All right. <laughs> um, I'll go ahead and turn my tripod horizontally. There we go. Yeah, that was a little bit of a pain. Um, it was going super choppy, and I'm like, oh, man, he's talking some good stuff, too, and I can't hear it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I went into a whole fucking spiel, and uh, I was like, all right. <clears throat> Either uh, he does he doesn't agree with me, or something's fucked. Yeah, it's like, yeah oh. I imagine you're probably like, why isn't he talking to me? Like, is it what? <laughs> I was okay. like, man, it's been a while since I've done a, a live interview. But I don't think my cobwebs for that He's shit. <laughs> nah, man, it, it, man, it start off good. But anyways, we'll just cover the same exact thing. It's all good. Cool. All right. Okay. So what I was saying was, um, for me, like my biggest thing, right, is I was in corporate. I was comfortable. I was getting the paychecks, and mm -hmm. I had to make the decision to like get uncomfortable. And now that I've made that decision and I've seen what life is like on this side of the coin, I'm never gonna go back and work for somebody else. Like I would straight up rather live in my car homeless fucking working for my laptop until i figured something out then go back to work right so what i was asking is i have do you have any of that experience yourself personally did you 
did you leave a day job to jump into this or were you kind of like going job to job and then you were like fuck this i'm just gonna do my own thing or were you just entrepreneurs like your whole life never even bothered getting jobs yeah um okay one do we want to restart this or just hopping right back in we're just hopping right back in oh damn all right cool <laughs> I, I, I got both recordings so my editors will make it seem like a seamless episode okay well cool um in that case no nah, man i've actually worked two different jobs i worked at sunny's barbecue as a barbecue joint it was my first job um i was going through a lot of different issues at the time uh you know with my family with who i was i was still a senior in high school and I ended up moving from my mom's house. It was kind of a mutual agreement. I, I could technically, technically say that I got kicked out. Um, I just never got along with you know, my stepdad and that was always a tumultuous time for me. Um, we're getting along a little bit better now, thankfully, but I ended up moving in with my grandmother and my grandfather and uh, I was finishing up my senior year and I ended up getting a job at Sonny's. And from the start, from the get-go, I knew that getting the job was only gonna be temporary. I, I was a dishwasher. Within a week, they were like, you're way too talented for this. And they're like, you're going to do this, this, and that. And so it was like 8.50 an hour, and I was doing like 20 times the things that I would normally be doing. Um, and so I worked at Sunny's for about two and a half months, got enough money to start into a network marketing company. Network marketing is one of the biggest reasons why I am the person who I am today, because it taught me a lot of the principles of self-development. It taught me a lot of the principles of behavior, of business. And uh, that's a big reason why I didn't go to college, because it's like I saw these kids who were around my age making $10,000 plus a month. I was like, well, college like screw that um and then after working at sunny's fast forward about eight months um i ended up getting a job at publix which is a grocery store down in florida and uh with working at publix i was working the night shift and my goal was work the night shift and then during the day i'd have enough time to work my business well my body wasn't quite acclimated to that and so i ended up going to working at night i'd come home nine o'clock in the morning and then i'd sleep from nine o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock at night take a shower and go right back to work um, and so after two and a half months, I was starting to get in that cycle and that routine and a buddy of mine at the time, he's like, Isaac <laughs> quit. And I was like, uh, I, I don't know how I'm going to make money. I don't know anything, but I was living with my grandparents. So I was very, very fortunate that they took care of a lot of things. Um, and so I ended up quitting. I quit and I didn't work a job all of 2019, um, thankfully. And then that was the last job that I ever worked. So I've worked a total of two jobs and I will only ever work a total of two jobs. Um, and so I'm grateful for that. You know, a lot of people go and go through 10, 20 different jobs or they go through a job and they sacrifice a lot of time in their lives. And then they realize that, oh, the boss doesn't give two shits about me. So now I'm going to quit, you know, and then they get into the entrepreneurial journey like you, you know, you know, you were like, I'm, I'm destined for more. I can be doing more. And for me, I'm just grateful that I had that entrepreneurial mindset going into a job rather than getting into a job and then getting and developing into that entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah, my mine was always, you know, fear. You know, because my, my whole life, my mom always was like a hustler. Like she always had something going on, whether it was like Mary Kay or Kirby Vacuums or Pan Am or like she's always selling something. You had and, a lot of other siblings, didn't you? Yeah, I have, I have nine siblings. Wow. And and like we, so like we were poor, you know, so like my mom always had to be hustling to figure something out. And so like my whole life, my mom was like grooming me because she was like, you're son, you just need to go to school. Don't make the decisions I made. Don't be like me. Don't, don't do what I do, you know, like go to school, go to college, get a degree. You're going to work at Microsoft one day, you know, like that's what she would tell me that night. 
because I built my first computer when I was 10 years old. So like my entire life, my mom was just like, you're going to work at Microsoft one day. And like, that's what she would just tell me. So it was like ingrained in my brain. Like I just need to go to school, get a degree. And I actually left college to pursue a, a, a job at Microsoft. Like I, I was in Dallas and just on a whim was like, fuck it, and moved up here to the Pacific Northwest because I knew Microsoft was in Seattle. And I was like, well, I'm just going to go to Microsoft and I'm going to keep trying until they hire me. Right. And uh, ended up working like tech support. Right. So I, I was doing, so in Dallas, that's what I did too. So I did like, level three level four tech support so you know how like when you call tech support and whoever the first guy you talk to they can't figure it out so they have to transfer you to the next guy up and when he can't figure it out he has a team to transfer to and then if that guy can't transfer it out all shit has hit the fan and then there's another team they transfer to yeah i was at the all shit has hit the fan team i did not know that that's how that works yeah Wow. Okay. There, there's typically three to four levels of support with tech support. So you were solving all the shit no one could understand. Yeah, because it was like, in theory, it should be working, but it's not. So we need Theoretically, to figure right. out why it's not working. Right. So that was what I, I, that was like my magic power. It was still my magic power to this day is going into like a system or a process and finding the holes. You know. Um, and so I was actually pretty fucking cocky, right? Like, because I was always the best, like, uh, from an academic standpoint. I've never been the best, like, from a physical standpoint, you know. But from an academic standpoint, I was, like, the top 10 in my school, top 10% of the entire state, you know. Like, so academically, I was just, I was, like, I had this fucking chip on my shoulder you know, right there in the beginning. And so like my first Microsoft interview actually bombed it completely and didn't get the job, right? Which resulted in me working, going back to tech support for two, almost three years before I actually landed my first Microsoft job. So I was up here struggling for a few years because of my shitty cocky attitude, right? Because my first Microsoft interview, like back, back in the day, I had so much metal in my face. Like I, I retained my septum ring and that was about it. But I used to have like six rings in my lip, you know, like. I, oh, wow. My ears were stretched to two inches. Like I had a whole line of metal. My, my bridge was done. Like it was, I was just like this. And I, I wore sleeveless shirts and I'm heavily tattooed and I just didn't give a fuck, right? Like I went into this interview, like, I'm so good, you should be thankful that I'm even interviewing to work at this place, you know? Like, that was the fucking attitude I had. And the, the guy interviewing me, he was like, what's your plans five years from now? Ten years from now. Okay. He, what are you saying? Like, I was like, I don't have any. I'm going to be running things at Microsoft in ten years. What do you mean? He's like, I'm going to be running anything with that attitude. You know, he's like, you're very educated. You obviously could do this job, like you become highly recommended. But that that attitude, you came in here dressed like <clears throat> you already had it. You came in here with the attitude like 
you already had it. This is a team, right? Everything we do here is a team. And it's not just one guy that's saving a day. When you come in here, you need to dress like where you hope to be in 10 years. You think any of the guys running teams in here look like you do? Right. Like, damn. So, like, actually, when I left the interview, I was pissed. I was like, fuck this guy. He's judging me. Another motherfucker. Just because I got tattoos and piercings means I can't do a job. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, I, I did not do any internal reflection saying, man, I, I'm a piece of shit, you know? Like, I, I'm, I got a fucking chip on my shoulder. Maybe I should chill yeah. a little bit, you know? Uh, and it wasn't until uh, I, I, was in, I was a lead at a tech support company, right? And I was training, um, I would train the new guys, the tier one, tier two, tier three guys, right? And and one of the guys actually became pretty good friends with them. You know, like we would hang out outside of work. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he he was a little slower when it came to grasping the overall technical concepts mm-hmm. and theories and things like that. So I just spent extra time with him, which is why we ended up being friends. Cause like, that's the kind of person I am. So I'm like, yeah, you develop a relationship. Oh, you're, yeah. you're struggling, come on. Like, I remember when yeah. I was learning this shit, you know, like I, I always think to myself, like, man, I wish I had a big Marvin so many times in my life, you know? Cause like, mm-hmm. I'm like the big brother that comes in and I'm like, you're struggling, come on bro, I got you. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll teach you this shit. I'm gonna teach you how to fish because once you know how to fish, you're gonna be good. Yeah, because what I do is job security. If you have my skill set, like you're always gonna have a job. Absolutely. Um, and so basically, I took him out under my wing, and later that year, the company had to do some layoffs. Right, so they were gonna get they were gonna end up laying him off. So I had to fire him. And like I hated doing it. I didn't even want to. I didn't want to let him go, but I I had to. Because they were just like, he's just too slow, he's not getting it, blah, blah, blah. Um, we have to make cuts. and That probably pissed you off. Yeah, they were like, he's the weakest link. Basically, and, and that's how they acted, right? Like, that was my humbling lesson. That was like, the basically, I had a flashback of like, man, I was that cocky piece of shit with a, support, a superiority complex. Like, because mm-hmm. I know all this shit apparently now all of a sudden I'm better than these people that don't have my skill set. Yeah. Because that's how my boss was at that point. He was like, I'm, I'm King Dick. I can build the best networks. Fuck you. You're lesser than me. Like, yeah, it's like, I I got the biggest dick type attitude. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so like, yeah, it pissed me off. I was like, you know, like, like you, like if it wasn't for these guys, if it wasn't for tier one, tier two and tier three, you know how miserable our lives would be? Because yeah. we would have to take those bullshit calls. Absolutely. We would have to fix those bullshit issues. Right? Like, there's a place for everyone. So, like, that was my humbling moment of, like, man, do, do I act like that? Do I have a superiority complex? Mm-hmm. Like, am I a piece of shit? So, you I know, guess- I, think, I think that more or most people who really go out and achieve massive success have those moments in life that kind of it's kind of like a a slap in the face of like a wake up moment of like okay well maybe i am being too cocky maybe i am being too prideful you know you can't 
achieve massive success with that whole piece of shit attitude, you know? I mean, you can, but people won't respect you. And, and people, you won't be around for that long. So I think that that's something that a lot of people go, go ended up having, you know, they, they might, they might achieve a level of success and then they're like, Oh, I hit $10,000 a month. And then they all of a sudden stop doing the small, t- small things, right? They stop sweeping the floor type thing. Um, and that's something that I've, I saw a lot in the network marketing company that they talked on. They're like, you know, you hit $10,000, the $10,000 mark. And the next thing you know, you know, you act like you're a God, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Yeah. And but then you start your downline like shit. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like when you first started, you were, you were, um, you, you were like helpful, right? Like you'd spend yeah. that extra hour helping the new person in your downline make that sense. Now you're like, I make 10 grand a month. If I figured it out, maybe your lazy ass can go out there and put some work in. Yeah. Right. Like the whole attitude change. And like, if we're going to be honest and transparent here, like it, if you've been following me for a while, so you've noticed I haven't really recorded new content in, what, seven months? Like, I'm just now getting back in the, the role of shooting content because I actually did that again. I'm, I'm, I'm calling it a relapse, right? Because I got over my superiority complex while I was at Microsoft, right? And I turned into this guy that everybody loved because I was just like, the team player there for everybody and like i still have that mentality with my own team the people that work mm-hmm. closely but as an entrepreneur as a business owner and being a coach i've encountered so many students where like they just want the easy way out they don't want to put in the work and blah. so basically that kind of like subconsciously without me even realizing it I was developing this superiority complex and it wasn't even about my skill set anymore. It was like, fuck you, you're not gonna outwork me. Right? I haven't met anybody that'll outwork me. I haven't met anybody with better work ethic than I do. Like I was developing this this superiority complex, like I was the hardest working motherfucker there is, without even yeah. realizing it, like subconsciously. And like over the last year, I and I didn't realize it while it was going on. Now that I've analyzed my data, because I actually hired a coach to help me scale my business. And my coach is what pointed this out to me. He was like, let's look at what you were doing in the beginning, right? Because in the beginning, I went from, I quit Microsoft and was at six figures five months later. Right? Huge milestone. And then, and then I started building my brand from there. And about a year and a half into my journey, I lost a ton of friends. Right. I was doing that spring cleaning that people tell you you need to do. Like, you need to stop associating with all these people. I'm glad you mentioned that. The top five people around Mm -hmm. you is what's going to represent how successful you are, blah, 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 blah. So I started just cutting everybody. I was like, I'm King Dick now. My company's making 250 racks a year. I built that shit. Fuck you. Like, and, and I wasn't even realizing I was doing this. I stopped creating free content. I stopped serving my tribe and I was like, fuck you, pay me. Like I just developed this fuck you, pay me attitude. Mm-hmm. Right. So over the last seven months, I've actually collapsed my agency entirely, lost 70% of revenue. Like, and yeah. you're part of, you're part of my internal team. So you've seen the struggle, right? Yeah. A lot of people outside are looking in, don't see like the barriers. Of, I don't, and you know, and, and I, you know? I've seen the struggle, but I've also seen the humility. And that's huge. That's huge. I mean, we've, we've had conversations on the back end about this, but 
it takes one, a lot of self-awareness to understand that you're going and developing that type of attitude. And that's something I've been battling with myself. And it's like, you, you mentioned the spring cleaning aspect of like, we'll, we'll be talking about that later on in this interview. I already know, because that's, that's something that I've had to do in the past week and it is not easy to do. And you have to do it in a way that where like you, your, your intent is not in a cocky, like narcissistic way, but other people perceive you as that. And uh, like developing this thick skin in any, any way. But I've seen over the past seven months, it's like we first met back around July, August, whenever I first got out to, out to California, you know, I was adding random ass people. The only reason we came in contact is because I literally randomly added you because I, that's what I was doing. I was trying to connect with as many people as possible. So I was like, okay, he's got his shit together, connect. He's got his shit together, connect. And at the time I thought that was the best thing to do. And then fast forward, we got in contact, we recorded the interview. And then after that, it's like, bam, you dropped off the grid for a time. And then, you, you know, you were working, you were developing the team and stuff. And then you know, you're like, oh shit, <laughs> I need to take a step back. Yeah. And you did. And now you're over here now. And you're like, I know that with COVID and everything, it kind of slapped you in the face, right? As you were coming back up, but you <laughs> pushing for it. I'm still and going. That's yeah, exactly. And you know, what did it for me is for those of you that don't know, back in January, I held my first in-person mastermind. I kind of piggied off, back off of FHL because I knew a lot of people in this space would already be in Nashville that weekend. So I figured if any of my students were going to be flying out to FHL, they could stop in at the Wavemaker house. And like over the course of that week, I'm teaching them about building personal brands and serving their tribe and, and um, you know, creating valuable content and making them a priority and making sure serving them and their success is number one in your business. Mm -hmm. And as I'm teaching this and as I'm going through my process over the course of that week, I just had this awakening on the last day of like, I am not serving my tribe to the best of my ability. I'm kind of a, have turned into a piece of shit about recording free content, mm -hmm. you know? And just because I got to the position of six figures doesn't mean there's not still people that can't afford to pay me yet that don't need my help, right? right? And when I first got started, it was like, I only want you to pay me if you utilize my time. And watching my YouTube video is not utilizing my time, mm -hmm. right? So I would make all the training and everything because I was like, I'll do the free training. They'll take the free training. If they can't figure it out, then they can hire me directly because they see I know what I'm doing. And so basically, right. I, I cut that out and was started just treat people like you don't know who I am. You know, yeah, just a shitty like. And then you're like, oh shit! I didn't even realize I was doing it. You know, yeah. I was just like people were feeding my my ego, so it's just mm. very easy to accept it. You know, yeah. because. There's a lot of people that look up to me and my skill set, right? So when I have hundreds of people telling me I'm the fucking best, then I just let it go to my head subconsciously without even Man. noticing it. And, yeah. and yep. like, you know, I just had to take a step back of like, I need to evaluate what the fuck is going on. Who, who I had to redo, I had to redo that. Who am I serving? Why am I serving them? What do I want to give them? And what mm -hmm. skills do mm -hmm. I want them to achieve? Like I had to sit back and it took me six weeks of like meditating daily to I took yep, yep. I'm glad you know this. Uh-huh. 
man, and what did I tell you before the interview? I was like, I got some shit to get off my chest. Let's get, <laughs> it's let's been, get it's it off your chest, bro. <laughs> man, it's been a hot minute since I've done like an interview for someone else. I mean, I, I've been doing some of my own podcasts and stuff like that, but man, you mentioned so, so many fantastic points. And the one thing I want to talk about is, you know, doing the free content is like people get to a point of, of success where they think that their time is so invaluable to where it's like, or so valuable rather to where in actuality, they think there is somebody, but in the grand scheme of things, when you look at the chain of command and you look at like the food chain, when it comes to business and stuff, there are going to be levels and there are going to be people who are a lot higher than you are. And so you have to kind of humble yourself and realize like in the grand scheme of things, you know, and where I'm trying to go, I'm like, I'm not shit. Like I am, but yeah, I'm, I'm not. A, I'm you know, a like, fucking ant in comparison. Like I've accomplished, yeah, exactly. Like no, I've accomplished like, a good amount, but at the same exact time, it's it's small. It's small. Yeah. And um, and that's kind of that's a difficult pill to swallow for a lot of people. It's been a difficult pill for me to swallow too. Uh, and that free content that you produce is in the end, going to help your tribe out even more because the more people know you, the more success you have, the more you're able to help the people in your closest inner circle. You know, you're able to, you know, you produce free content, you get more brand exposure, you get more people who know your name. Those are more people who are going to buy your content, your courses, your coaching sessions, whatever product you might be selling, but you have to humble yourself to do that free content, to take that sacrifice, rather, you know, the the short-term sacrifice of money and time to have a long-term payoff. And it's, you know, having the short-term versus the long-term vision. And it's like, you have to find that healthy balance of what you're doing to where it's like you're benefiting in the short-term by building up a brand and getting people who know your name. But in the long-term, you're going to be able to help your tribe out even more. It's like people who don't want to pay for, you know, PR. They don't want to pay for advertising. They don't want to pay for, you know, things that would actually help them because they're thinking way too short-term. Um, man, there, there are a lot of different transitions that we could go into right about now. I got a lot on my mind. I'm like, just like um, picking for, a for example, you know, the the free content, like you said, like you just mentioned, there's a food chain, right? And there's a chain in your business, right? All of our businesses, whatever term you use, I call it pipelines, right? Somebody enters my pipeline, they go through different phases of the pipeline, mm-hmm. right? So let's say somebody comes in and the reason they came into my pipeline is because of my free valuable content right i taught them something that changed their 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 business and and this just happened to me last week is it was like something that really woke me up and pushed me to record and do even more this week because i talked to a guy and uh, he he went to my webinar. He booked a call with me, right? Because that's what I'm mm-hmm. running right now. It's a weekly webinar. That's how I'm making sales. And we booked a sales call. And we started talking. And one of the things I always ask is, how did you find out about me? How did you know about me? Mm-hmm. And he's been watching my YouTube channel for two years. And you I had no idea. Known. You would have never no known. idea. And he's telling me, he's like, your content is so good. Like. You haven't released anything in a while, but I've been going back watching all your videos and it's just blowing my mind because you got seven views and only 14 views and this one might have 80 views. And I'm like, your content is so good. I've spent thousands of dollars for guys like Russell Brunson and Steven Larson and all these other people. And in comparison to what you provide on your YouTube channel to what mm-hmm. I made for them, like this is just so much better. So like- You, you always know, get caught up in the numbers. You get you yeah. get caught up in the numbers and you you don't realize that those seven views are seven real people 
who could have had a real life impact. And so it's like, in the because of social media and because I, I don't know, like I'm a very, very big thinker, but I also pay attention to numbers. Like I was thinking about this the other day, like on Twitter, a lot of my audience has been built through Twitter. And I have like 10.8 thousand people on Twitter. I had, I had even more at a time, but I used to be so, so excited about one retweet, about one like, and then somewhere along the line, I just became numb to it. And it's like something that I have to remind myself of like, you know, these are real people that I, I really need to be grateful for because without them, I'm nothing. Without the yeah. artists that I manage in my business, I am nothing. And then that person who was like that free content, I, have a, I had a similar story happen to me yesterday. I got a message and a friend request by this girl I've never met before. It was a real profile. You know, Facebook, you get a lot of weird profiles that are fake. But this was a real person. And she messaged me and she's like, hey, I'm taking a break from Twitter, but I love your content and I want to be connected with you and get, get your content through Facebook. I had no idea who she was. And she took the time out of her day to knowingly that, hey, I'm getting off of Twitter, but I want to engage with Isaac's content to the point of adding me on Facebook, at going and taking the time out of her day to add me on another platform just to get access to the content that I'm producing and the message I'm preaching. And that was a very big wake-up call for me because I'm like, wow, that is, that is what I'm working towards. And we don't quite realize how, much, how many people we're impacting without even realizing it. You know, and I know that you're legacy focused, you know, legacy is something that I've taken a step back from focusing on, but rather understanding that what I do is going to determine my legacy in which I'll be remembered by. But regardless, it's like a ripple effect. You know, you throw a stone in the water, one splash, then another one, and then the ripple goes and you don't know how long it's going to go on for. It's the same exactly. It was such, like, it was such a humbling, like, sales call, you know, because I was like, because this is exactly like the last three months where I've been struggling with is like, what kind of content should I create? How can I serve my tribe better? How can I be a better leader? How can I be a better coach? Right. Like, and then for him to tell me, yeah, man, I watched your videos on YouTube and I implemented some of the things that you taught me on YouTube and I just knew that you were going to be the guy. I needed to just get in a position so you could be the guy because he knew it wasn't going to be free and it wasn't going to be cheap when he was finally in that position mm-hmm. right and that's happened to me multiple times and and it got me thinking like what happened over the last six months that like i was making like uh when we shot our podcast like this last summer i was clearing 20 to 30 racks a month regularly right and then i hired a coach that coach got me to 50 racks a month. Then, like, I literally, I was like, fuck content, fuck free PO. Like, that was, like, the ultimate thing. I think that's what pushed me over the edge because I actually took on way too much and collapsed from the inside, you know? Mm-hmm. And then... And what happens in one like side happens out there. Yeah, exa- exactly. Like, one... It got to the point where every day I was waking up, I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? I was miserable. I was depressed. I was like, there's no purpose for any of this. Yeah, I money doesn't buy happy. happy. I just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just was, I was like, what's the fucking point of all this? I hate what I do. I feel like I'm back working at Microsoft, just put, putting in my hours, punching my clock and calling it a day. And, um, and that was the missing piece. It was like I wasn't, I wasn't serving my tribe, and I didn't have enough fresh people coming in, right? So because I collapsed my content a year ago, but I had shot so much, and I was so consistent, my pipeline was pretty full, 
right? That's how I was able to scale mm -hmm. so rapidly because I was just taking care of my pipeline. But then I stopped making content. So which meant no new viewers in my pipeline. Which mm -hmm. meant once I, so it took me nine months to deplete that pipeline. But now I'm like, I feel like I'm back at step one, you know? Mm -hmm. I've lost 70% of clients, like barely making enough to pay my guys on my team. Already had to lay off half my team. Like, I feel like I'm starting all over again, but you all, it circles right back around to what we were saying at the beginning. You gotta be willing to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, we, on, on the staff call we had the other day, man, I used the analogy of a forest. You know, the tree burns, catches, catches on fire, and then it makes way for new growth. And you kind of set yourself on fire and you got burned a little bit. And then you're like, you healed the wounds and you took the time to meditate, man. You spent six weeks. I spent about the same, man. But the entire time that I was in back in Jacksonville, I was thinking. I was stuck up in my head. And that's something I battled a lot. I'm very compulsive when it comes to thinking and thoughts. And I'm like, I, I reflect a lot. I try to understand too much. And, uh, you know, and, and then you finally just realize that, okay, time to go back to the basics and you just make it happen you know you know what to do and then you just don't act on it and then you know you can that that pride can get in the way that's been a very difficult thing for me as well you know and especially starting out like i'm, I'm extremely grateful that i've learned all this shit before 20 years old like i'm 19 and, I'm, and this upcoming august will be my third year in entrepreneurship and dabbling in business my third year and i've already had a lot of people tell you me can't even buy fucking whiskey yet and you have I the knowledge you have yeah and um, for me, man, <laughs> I have to I have to keep myself humble. Every you have to time. realize you have to be humble because you just have to realize like how lucky you are. You and know, I don't. I'm, I'm thirty three. Like I wish I knew this shit fifteen years ago. Nothing makes sense to me. I don't. I don't know how any of this <laughs> stuff is worked. I have fucking no idea. Literally no idea. But what I was saying is like I have to humble myself, and especially because I'm taking the approach to where. I've built up my personal brand and spent a lot of time, a lot. I was in, I was sitting in my, you know, back, I had four classes my senior year and I was sitting in my, you know, in, in the library during my free periods and I was working on my podcast. I was working on my brand back in, in school. Like I was in school working and fast forward a couple of years now, you know, I've done like, I dominate the search results. Whenever you search up my name, like I've built up a good brand authority. You know, I, I've positioned myself in the marketplace in, in a very good way. And it's like, because of that, I have to continue growing, but I also have to keep myself grounded at the same time, keep my feet up, feet planted, and remember every single day as to why I'm doing this. And that's something I've recently started to do and just like really being aware of how things are going to influence me, how things might make me feel. It's power, fame, all of those different things can have dangerous consequences if you don't have enough self-awareness to understand you're being influenced by them. And it's like, if that's what I'm working towards, you know, being, building up a personal brand is influence and fame, that's power. With influence comes power, and it's like, what are you going to use it for? Are you going to use it for the good, or are you going to use it for the bad? You know, that goes down to even like the artist I'm working with now, um, moving into the music industry. It's like, am I going to be promoting a rapper who's talking about, you know, sleeping with thousands of women and like going and robbing people, and like, or am I going to have like a little bit more of a stronger brand? It's like, you have to realize people watch you, people understand you. It's like for you, for example. Like I refer, like whenever I'm talking to my friends and I'm like, yeah, I'm starting up this program. I've told a couple people about, you know, the motivated maniacs that I'm going through now. And I'm like, you know, my coach, my mentor, you know, that's what I refer you as. And I have people who refer to me as like their mentor and stuff like that. And I'm like, whoa, what? Like it's, 
it's a title of like responsibility that you have to wear in a, in a very humble way. Yeah. Because now and that, that's the other side of the coin, right? I am now people's coach and mentor, right? Think about that. That means that you've achieved something or you've done something so well mm -hmm. that other people that are on a similar path that are, or have taken a similar path, they believe whatever it is you're teaching or whatever it is you know is going to be the answer to their success. So they latch onto you because they need it. The same way I latched onto my coaches and my mentors to pull me out of all the shit that my coaches and mentors have pulled me out of. I'm about to grab a notepad and start taking notes. And, it, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. now it is my responsibility to step up to the plate and be that coach and mentor that they need. It is my responsibility to make sure that I give them everything in my power that will help them succeed. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and, and when I say that, I don't mean like just build funnels and websites and shit for free for people. That's not what I mean. Right. Like may, maybe you do end up doing that, but maybe you're trading services or maybe you're making them commit and put in the work. Right. Like when you came into the motivated maniacs program, I didn't charge you the 5k that I typically charge people, but what did I tell you? You're willing to commit and put yeah. it to work. I will help you because I'm not going to invest my time, energy and effort into you mm -hmm. because I need you to be a good student as much as I need to be a good coach and mentor. Right. Yeah. Symbiotic. So it works now, now I have that responsibility. You've committed to me for 12 weeks. So if I don't take care of you, you know, like it's my responsibility to take care of you. Like it mm -hmm. committed to it. Now it's my job to show up and make this shit happen. Right. right. And uh, part, part of making this transition that I'm making right now is, is so raw. You know, it feels like you just ripped the fucking bandaid off. Um, because this this is like a, this is the first episode of Big Mom's Network. It's new, um, yeah. You know, like this is my I'm just now rebooting Mourners with Marv. I'm just now getting back into the flow of things. So it's still fairly fresh for me, shaking off the cobwebs and everything. Um but one of the things that took me so long to do this is because of the fear. I let the fear rule me for a little bit, right? Like outsider looking in, you'd think that I would be pretty top on top of my fear game. And I just, because my catchphrase is put your fucking dick on the table, right? Just go out there and do it. I love that. <laughs> but <laughs> I, uh, <coughs> it, was a, it was the same fear I had when I left Microsoft. Leaving that comfortable, I'm making six figures, I get a guaranteed $2,500 every fucking two weeks right to my account no questions asked plus bonuses plus bonuses when i finished like it was just so comfortable and i, I had to leave that i had to leave that behind there's the fear of like what if i fell the, right the, and also the fear of the unknown yeah the unknown you like you have to be you have to shit be could hit the fan and i might never make a dollar online you know like yeah. that was and i was like and I could leave Microsoft. What if they don't take me back? You know, mm -hmm. like, what if they don't take me back? What if, what if that was, like, the last time I could leave? And, and you, you have to be okay you with never that, know. you know? You know, and like, you I, I had to accept, like, I could be potentially ruining my career right now and never come back to it. So just like in November, 
So, because it, it was very recently that I hit that 50K a month goal. It was like just this past November 2019. Now, granted, 38K of that went to fucking overhead, but uh, when, I collapsed, my, when I collapsed my agency, it was like the same fear of like, are you going to collapse your agency? That's what's making you 50K. I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking miserable. I feel like I'm clocking in again. Fuck this. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I'm making a shit ton of money, but I'm fucking miserable. I did not get into this game to be miserable. I was happier making 20K a month doing nothing but coaching than making 60K a month trying to fulfill a fucking agency. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, I had to make that decision. And unfortunately, I had to lay off after the team and like you see Esau. Right? But now, but, fast forward, the team is still there. But now, fast forward, my team was like, when I tried to lay off, because like some of them left, but the core, my core team, everybody was like, bro, you just let us know when you figure this shit out. We're not going nowhere. Yeah. I've been on your yeah. ass about shit too. I'm like, and I'm podcast, like podcast, pod, hurry up. <laughs> you're, you're like, I, fuck the pot. And that, in my mind, I was like, fuck the podcast, fuck everything. I need to figure out what I'm doing before and we respect I that. do anything. And you guys are just like, all right, cool. we'll be here when you're ready. It's the long-term vision, though, and that is something, man, this is, all right, good segment, good segue. I was with, I have some, I have a really close friend. His name is Victor Melgar. He's also a business partner. Um, He focuses, he's very business-oriented. I'm more branding and marketing. I don't like doing the shit on the back end. I would much rather, like, get it out to the world and see how big I can get and make sure we have a really beautiful brand, that type of thing. And so we partnered up, and... um, we were dropping his mom off at, at where she was staying. She's an estate manager and it was, it's an upper class neighborhood. It's a very, very nice neighborhood. Um, you know, the houses, I live in Bakersfield, California right now and the houses are the nicest in the city. Um, and there's this one house and Victor was driving and his mom was in the, in the passenger seat. I wasn't sitting in the back seat, letting her stay up there. And he's like, I wanted to take you by because there's a house that I know you would love. And he's like, I just, I have this feeling. I know that you would love it. And so, he drove past it, and sure enough, it was the it, it, out of that all those houses in the neighborhood. That is the exact one that I would buy. It was very modern. It was very contemporary. I'm a very modern like guy. I like the modern look of like Los Angeles homes, like California homes. I've always loved that. Even when I was younger, that's something I looked forward to. Yeah. And he's like, I knew that you would love that. And then I, I ended up going with his mom down to L.A. to meet up with one of my artists I'm managing, Diggy. And uh, while we were in on the way down to L.A., we got into a really great conversation. She's like, I work with a lot of successful people. And the one thing that they always say, when you ask them about their success, they always say that they had a vision and they're able to display and get other people to believe in that that same vision. They have it at their core and then other people follow along. Other people are able to, you know, their eyes are open to the grand scheme of things. And she's like, Isaac, you were able to convey your vision so much to where Victor knew exactly what house you would build, what house you would buy. And I say that to say this, that you have displayed a very big vision with the team, with the core. One of the first things that you told me whenever we first started working together, he's like, you were like, you know, you stick with us. We're taking you straight to the top. We're going straight to the top. You're eating. I'm eating. We're all going to eat. And you're like, I have the goal of making X amount of millionaires, a hundred million or a hundred, a hundred million millionaires. There we go. That would change the world. Now a hundred millionaires. And I was like, you know what? I understand that we go through hard times. And I also saw it from the other perspective was like, I would, I'm, I would much rather have to sacrifice a little bit where I'm at right now 
And I put myself in your shoes and I was like, he's going to climb up. He's a dedicated person. You know, he's persevered through some crazy shit. And I was like, he's going to come back up and, you know, I'm just going to stay, stay by him. And you were able to do that with the team as well to where they're like, the core group was like, we we're vision bound, you know, legacy focused, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's huge. And that's like something, you know, for the audience, for the listener and stuff, because I'm going to end up taking a lot of this content from, for my own, you know, I'm going to do audio clips and stuff. And, uh, it's like, you have to be able to know where you're going in life, what your goal is. And then as a leader, your purpose and your goal is to get other people to believe in that vision as well as where they are going. And, uh, it's not an easy thing to do, but if you do that, that's how you really develop loyalty. You develop trust, you develop that bond because it's like that unshakable bond. Like no matter what, we know where we're going and we're not going to let anything stop us. Yeah, exactly. Like the, my vision is like the only reason like I've had guys with me for three years now because of the vision, you know, like when you say the vision, like that's, that's what they all tell me. Right. When I say like, you guys, I, when I collapsed the agency, I was like, you guys, I'm collapsing the agency. I don't have any fucking idea how I'm going to pay any of you. Um, some of you guys, I just straight up don't need anymore because you're agency only contractor. Like literally I was like, but here's my vision, right? Like I still have this vision. Yeah. This is where yeah. I'm going. And they all came back to me and was like, oh, we support the vision. We're here yeah. for the vision. This is just a bump in the road. Like this isn't, this is, we're not done yet. It's not over yet. What do you mean? You can't lay us off because we refuse to leave. You know, it, it was just like the weirdest, most humbling, surreal experience. Like you guys don't know this, but I cried about it that night, you know, like, because I was just like, Look at me, I'm over here depressed and miserable, feeling lonely, like like contemplating suicide, like very dark fucking, place. Like worthless. Yeah. I I was just I felt worthless, you know? I'm like, I'm such a piece of shit. Cause I had this superiority complex and I was just like I I felt like I let everybody down. I felt like I let my big ego let the entire team down and because of my big ego i wasn't able to maintain and i'm using being miserable as an excuse to collapse the agency there's like so many conflicting like right. internal that it's just it's like and then when the team came back to me and they're like i don't know what the fuck is going on with you right now but we're here when you figure it out that was like that was like my pivot point that was what made me say all right i'm gonna take six weeks off and figure this shit out because i owe it to my team i owe it to my students i owe it to the world essentially like when i started this mission it's like you said 100 million ends right i i've created 14 million dollar funnels now you know i still got a long way to go right and right. So i owe it to me i owe it to my Man, world. I feel like I'm about to cry now. Damn it, dude. I feel like I'm like, this is a story. Play some music or something. <laughs> Fuck, man. And then there's someone a couple a couple doors down. I had to go outside because I'm living with a couple roommates right now, getting my shit going. And it's like there's a there, there's someone over there playing like the flute or something like that. I'm like, well, damn, I'm in a mood. You're just in the mood right now, bro. <laughs> like, ah. Oh. Nah, dude. And man, like that that moment too. You, it taught me a lot too, because I've, I've always na naturally been a leader, but at the same exact time, it's like in a business dynamic, it's a little different, you know, leading a business, leading a team, 
of people. And it's like with me, I decided to move into the music industry and work with artists and stuff. And so like, I'm managing three artists right now. I'm working on getting a record label and two of those artists I'm managing are going to be signed to that record label. They've already committed. And it's like, I'm building something up from the ground that I've never done before. Yet I have this grand vision that I have to bring them on board for it. And now they have the vision. Every single time we talk, I'm like this, we are working towards this. We are working towards this. And it's like, they're a big reason why I'm going. And I was going through, when you were going through that shitty time, I was going through another shitty time for myself. And it's like, I had a lot of really great people push me forward. And like, Isaac, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. It's like other people knew me when I didn't know myself. We knew you and you were in a time where you didn't know yourself. And that's a crazy thing to, to yeah. ponder over and think about. You're like, because you, because deep down people know who you, who the fuck you are. And then at times you just, you don't yet other people believe in you more than you believe in yourself. And it's a, it's a crazy thing. It's a crazy, crazy humbling thing too. And then those, that's those moments too really show you. These are the core people who I need to keep tight and keep close and never let go. Absolutely. Like, so let's talk about that for a little bit. You know, let's talk about screen cleaning. Those people that you should keep close and the people that you should just, all right, it's, it's time to go. Cause I'm actually, like, my personal beliefs is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, right? So just because you're related to me does not mean that you need to be in my life. Mm -hmm. Just like just because we're boys since the second grade does not mean you need to be in my life. Yeah. But actually, on the other token, just because we do business together and you pay me 10 racks a month, that does not mean you need to be in my life, right? Right. Like, right. I don't care who you are. If it's negative energy, negative impact, you do not need to be in my life, right? So some people, when they talk about screen cleaning, they talk about on a variety of scales, right? They, they talk about not only on a negative, positive energy vibe, but they're talking about if their social status isn't elevated, if their income isn't elevated, if they're not driving a Maserati, like you need to trim the fat. Like, cause there's people define that differently. So how do you define it? You know, like right. who I should keep around and who I shouldn't keep around. This is something that I've really started to focus on that I've never had any experience in. So this is all very new to me because I've recently had to do some spring cleaning, but I believe it's important to keep people around you who have a very similar vision, similar morals, similar beliefs, and you can really relate to it and, and you won't feel like uncomfortable around them. Like you can't be yourself. That's big. But at the same exact time, I also believe that it's important to surround yourself with people who have what you want in life. You know, mentors, those people who have been in places that you want to be, you know, where you're going towards. And I don't have enough of those people in my life. I have very, very few of those people. And that's someone that that's something that I've started to work on. But I think that I'm a big believer in, in the way that we program our subconscious mind. And I think that we get associated with people who on the surface have good intents. They're not horrible people. They're not bad people. But over a period of time, you understand how, maybe the way that they speak can influence how you subconsciously start to think or how you like, for example, I start, I'm cussing more now than I was cussing before because of who I'm living with. And I've realized that. And I'm like, Whoa, that's okay. 
that's crazy. And then I started examining the different patterns, the different ways that people speak, even the way that you might refer to a woman, you know, like, and I'm like, I go down to the very microscopic levels and I'm like, this is not, this makes me feel uncomfortable. This is this, this is that. And they might have a very big vision, but who they are in their heart, you know, like, for example, what they would commit, what they would do. And then I'm like, I'm starting to go through and process all these things. And I'm like, I almost felt like I was obligated to be in, be friends with them because I started with them. I knew them at a certain time when I was in a different season of my life. And a friend of mine actually told me, a friend of mine who ironically told me this, but now I distanced myself from because he started going down the wrong path with drugs and stuff. Um, he told me, he's like, people will be in your life for different seasons. Some people will be in nearly all of the seasons of your life. Some people will stay for one, leave the next. And I felt, I, I got into this mentality that, the people who I knew and the circle who I was with, I had to stay friends with for whatever reason I had to come up with them. And then I start, I recognized that like what I'm trying to achieve, not all of the people in the circle are going to achieve that level of success. And I had to like, I say that in a very humble way, but I also am a man of, I look to the people who have the results I want in life and based off of what they would tell me and based off of what they have said in their own videos, their own things and their own, you know, their, their own experience, and I took what they said and I applied it and I, I examined and I was like, if they keep going on this route, they will not achieve anything good. And that means that I will not achieve anything good because I also know how influenced I was, you know, whether that's smoking weed because the people you live with smoke weed and then you, you know, the power of peer pressure and then examining, you know, like just a whole bunch of different things. And it's a very difficult thing to do because you develop a, a fondness for these people. You, you know, they're like, they're like family to you, you know, you could eat together, you know, you could make money together and all this other stuff. But at the same exact time, it's like, are these, are these people at risk to my brand? Like, if you don't feel comfortable having that, like having that homie with your girl, like if, if they were alone together and you, would, would you have second thoughts? Like, would you, would you question what your friend might do? That was big for me. And I was like, that was big. Would you feel comfortable having your friend next to a prospect? How would they act? How would they behave? Could you trust that what they said or the way that they dressed or the way that they presented themselves or would affect your prospect? A better one for you. Can you trust whoever you bring with you? Because as you elevate, you're going to get into elevated company, right? All right, I'm sure you've been invited to exclusive events with fucking millionaires and shit. Right, even if they're not millionaires, just exclusive events where, like, unless you know somebody, you ain't getting into this place. Yeah, could you bring your friends there and have them be chill without going, "Oh my God, there's Drake right there"? You know, like that's that, that was thing. another thing for me was like ha having people around you that could also like just be be chill and be around you and like. Like mm -hmm. not not treat you weird, you know, right. or not be weird because you're like you're going through some shit. You operated right. that, a very that, that was another thing. Is like, can you mm -hmm. trust who you bring around to be in those rooms? Because some people might be the opposite side of the coin of like they not not might not be like, oh my god, there's this music artist there, right? Like you're in the music industry now, you're serving music artists so you're probably over the next 10 years going to be in rooms with producers and music artists and you're going to know more like the next year you know, like, <laughs> yeah um, some big names you're going to be hanging out with some names 
could you trust to bring your closest five people into a room and bank on them to just network or are they going to be trying to close deals with these people or are they going yeah. to try to like get their cell phone their personal information are they going to basically you know act right like or are for, they for me i care about a lot about my reputation right Absolutely. a lot about my brand how do people perceive me like right now one of my one of my biggest struggles is taking on sales right because i i have a harder time finding people that are committed to show up and follow the strategy and listen to my advice and i have i have a problem finding people to pay me but then i find people to pay me but i can't find people that are are committed and going to show up and act right and if we if we can't dial in that that process right because depending on the clients that i work with it's like it goes i think it goes deeper than just like your friends i think it depends on the clients that you take on the people mm -hmm. that you hang out with the people that you date you know what you're everybody looking to has to be aligned with your brand you know um yeah i actually have clients that have ndas in place because they're like, I can't let people know that Big Mark's the guy behind the scene pushing the buttons for me. Why? Because if people that interacted with me in this circle found out you were the guy pushing the buttons, I would no longer be welcome in that circle. Mm. Like, well, that's kind of shitty. There's a lot of touching now, now I have to that think, people don't realize. I even want that person as a client. Right. You know? so, it's, so I think when you're evaluating, like, can you trust people? Like, I think it goes it goes further than just like, can they hang out in a room full of these people? Can they hang out with your girlfriend? Can they, I, I feel like that's service level stuff where I think it goes yeah. a lot deeper when you think about, well, what client yeah. am I serving, right? Nobody ever, nobody ever does that, right? It's always your friend's problem, right? It, it's never, it's never the clients you're serving. It's never, other people you're networking with online that could be the bad influence. It's always your homies from the second grade. Now, granted, I did have to cut out some toxic people, but when I look at the top five people I hang out with right now, one, my wife, obviously, <laughs> my my wife is in there. My two brothers, Josh and Eric, and you know, mm -hmm. Josh is a developer on my team and Eric mm -hmm. is a copywriter on my team. And they're, they're committed to the vision. Right, I, I helped them quit their day jobs last year, and now they work with me and my yeah. full time. Then there's my coach. Uh, he he's a guy, George and Manny. Those That's a solid guys, circle right there. Those are the two guys that have been helping me build and scale. Then I have what I call my secondary circle, which is like my top five people that yeah we don't talk every day. Hell, it might go up a couple of weeks. Before we talk but I could call them any time of the day any time at night get solid advice on what I should do moving forward right and they're not gonna judge me they're not gonna but they will check me because that's the other thing too it's like I need people to check me right I need you to be honest I need you to be Absolutely. transparent I need you to be blunt if I'm calling you because I'm questioning myself I don't need you to fucking cookie cutter me 
I need nah. you to be blunt. You know, I'm calling you for a reason. I'm replying. Authentic and real. You know, so your 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 friends and your clients also need to be comfortable with you to have that level of communication. Absolutely. Well, you know, so the, my my top five outside of my close five is like Curtis Washington and Miss Odovalo down in mm -hmm. the world. He's my business partner. He helped me make the wave makers. Who's surprisingly really fucking talented at rapping. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't know I, I made my assumptions, but I, I didn't know. Uh, it was like some solid like '90s rap. I'm like, dude, I'm vibing to this. <laughs> Great dude, I need to get to know him a, a little bit better. Like, hers is a machine, and we're we're even working on some other. Shit. Like we're always working on something. Absolutely. Then, there, then there's like my boy Chaz down in uh, down in Cali, right? Chaz Drake, like that. He's like my motivation. He's like my uh, he's like my Yoda. You know, like when my mind's not right, when I'm feeling like the worst piece of shit that you can just scrape off a boot, I call him. And he I got a friend like that. And he's like, bro, you let's think of some bigger picture, bro. Let's think of like, let's really, it's not as bad as your brain's making you think right mm -hmm. now. Let's, let's talk, talk it through, you know. And then I have my core team. Like, that's it. Like, my core team, mm -hmm. guys on my team, like you like Scott, like my brothers, you know, um, that I, that I, I call and I rely on to like talk through some shit. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. I don't call you every day, but I called you randomly at 5 a.m. the other day and we had a good conversation. You know? yeah, it was like a 20 minute conversation at a random time. I was like, and it was just like, let me see if he's awake. Yep. He's awake. What's good. Like, let's talk, you know, <laughs> Four thirty in the morning, baby, Four thirty in the morning. Like, let's see who's up you know but i i think it just goes deeper than than like it's deeper than the surface, these assholes sure. just smoke weed and cuss and blah, blah blah you know like yes i i know for sure that that will will affect someone like for example josh will come crash here at my place when we're balls deep on a project he'll just come crash down here for a week or two well i smoke a lot of fucking weed but right. it's also Josh, it's, it goes Josh smokes weed too, but he smokes more weed when he's staying here with me than he does <laughs> when he's just chilling at home. Yeah. It's because I smoke so much weed, you know. And it's it's not like a peer pressure thing. It's just like. But Marv, it's also that's, about priorities. That's our environment, you know. There, there's nothing with smoking weed. It's a thing when your priorities are fucked up. That's the big thing that I've realized. Are my do my priorities? Are they in the right place? And is this person's priorities in the right place? Obviously, who am I to judge? But. There's a basic level of logic to where it's like, you know, the answers. And the other thing that I, that I wanted to throw in is also I had to unfollow. Like I, unfo I went on this binge and I unfollowed like literally everyone on social media. I have 200 people that I'm following on Instagram right now. I have like a hundred that I'm following on t Twitter. Facebook is the only profile that I haven't cleaned. Same with LinkedIn because like it's a different, it's a different dynamic. Um, but, I, but I went through like Twitter and I, when I was younger, my mom, my mom hated social media. She still hates social media. She's starting to understand what I got going on though, thankfully. Um, but she was telling me, she's like, you know, what you put on the internet can come back to haunt you. And I'm like, yeah, true. Okay. That's reasonable. But then I started examining, you know, some of the people who I was associated with and what they would post on social media. And then I was also looking at people who I could potentially hire, potentially bring on the team. And then I was like, I was going to bring this dude on. I was going to bring him on as a producer. And then I looked to his social media and I was like, 
that doesn't line up with the brand. And I was like, damn, and because it's like, I like the dude, but at the same time, it's like public display is huge. And then I also looked at, you know, what they were posting online about like, were they being respectful? Were they being courteous? Would they bring in very controversial subjects that wouldn't line up with what I'm trying to do? Not saying that what they're posting is right or wrong, but does it line up with me and what I'm doing and who I am? And I was like, no. And so I had to start cutting people off. I got a message a little bit ago from someone locally um, who, you know, I trust, but at the same time, it's like, it's a danger to my brand. It's a danger to my reputation. And that the, it's not my fault, you know, that they are, you know, who they are, but it's also my responsibility to protect me, protect my team, because I'm like, other people are relying on me just like other people are relying on you. And so it's like, could this person fuck me over in a way that they don't, they're not even intentionally trying to fuck me over on. And, you know, because of that, I had to do some major spring cleaning and it's like, I'm getting a lot of like lashback and I'm like, well, I, I'm standing firm because it's like, I know where I'm going. And it's like, I got to set the example and set the distance from a, or set the example from afar. And I recorded a, a video that I'm going to be posting on YouTube tomorrow talking about this and talking about, you know, you can lead from afar, but you don't want to let it to where these people are draining your energy because you're trying to influence them to change when they don't want to change the yeah. cliche and bring the horse to water or yeah, you can bring the horse to drink, but the drink, the fuck you can't man, make me drink the shit. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, exactly, man. That was totally inaudible. I need more coffee in my life. Um, um yeah, so, no, yeah, that, and I want on that note, I want to let you guys know, like also expect people to spring clean you out of their life and understand that that's okay. Right. Like understand that, you didn't do anything. They just had the same realizations that you had about other people. Maybe you had some realizations of like, this person doesn't mm -hmm. want me or my brand. I need to distance myself from them. Or this person is negative and I don't want yeah. that in my life anymore, right? But also, also understand on the other side of that coin, people are spring cleaning you out of their lives as well, right? For and it's happened to me multiple times. Think for example, this show right here. Like, I didn't roll up a blunt and smoke it today, but typically on Big Marv's network, I'm smoking a blunt while we're having an interview. And I've had people book the slot, fill out my application and everything to get on the show, and they had never watched my content before that. Obviously, ramping up to the show, they took it upon themselves to go check out some episodes, and then they cancel their slot. And they're like, I'm sorry, man, you're just smoking weed and you're cussing. And, like, that doesn't align with my brand. So I don't have nothing against you for smoking weed and cussing, mm -hmm. but I'm a faith-based business. I can't be doing interviews with a guy wearing a bondage garage T-shirt, smoking a blunt, dropping yeah. F-bombs. Like, I just, and I'm like, I fully, like, I understand that. I get it. Big Marv is not for everyone. So you just got to realize there's two yeah. sides to every coin, right? When you're spring cleaning people, you're not doing it maliciously. You're just like, I need to do what's best for me, and this is what I feel is best for me. Right. Right? It's not like you you said, fuck Sam. That guy's a piece of shit. I'm never talking to him again. You just said, man, Sam's got some things going on in his life that just don't necessarily align with the path that I'm on. Right. Because everything happens for a reason. Every person that you meet in this lifetime, you met them for a reason. Mm -hmm. but. And, and we're all on journeys together, taking this adventure we call life. 
not every person is meant to walk that path with you your entire life. Some people are meant to walk that path for you for a little bit until it forms. Then you go one way and they go the other way because that's how life is supposed to work out. They were with you in your life to help you learn a lesson. Just like you were with them in their life to help them learn something. Mm -hmm. Right? I believe everything happens for a reason. And that's just, that, that's the way it goes. I believe in parallel universes too, but that's a whole other uh, oh, a whole nother thing. <laughs> another thing. So I believe that every, every every decision that we ever make in life, we made both both decisions, yes and no. And there's parallel universes happening all at the same time, which is why everything happens for a reason, because it's all already happened. So what's going to happen is going to happen. It, life is ninety percent uh reaction 10 percent circumstance okay i'm following along i just wanted to go out and play play everything out of my head now dude that that's very that's always been an interesting theory to me as well but we could definitely get we could get into conspiracy theories and everything but i think a good i think this would be a good time to maybe transition and talk about branding a little bit because you mentioned how you've had people turn you down for interviews before and i remember the first time like the the interview that i did with you back in september was like that, that really opened me up because I, I talked about things that I normally don't talk about. You know, I'm very, I'm very cautious with who I associate myself with now, like out in public behind the scenes was something I started to let slip until more recently. But then I was like, you know what? Like, it's not going to harm me. I'm not like against weed. I'm not against these things. It's like, I can be a little flexible. You know, you don't have to be super, super firm. A lot of the times there's a little bit of flexibility, but it's like, you have to have the self-awareness and the understanding to come to that conclusion yourself, like, okay, this is what makes sense for me. This doesn't make sense. You know, those, those, those different things. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because like it all boils down to the person, their experience with whatever it is, their interpretation, their perception of, of we, right. Like, um, and, and, and branding. So when you're thinking about things like, your personal brand and what you should or shouldn't do. I think you, you should always lead with passion and authenticity. Right. I, I had a client or I can't even call him a client. I had a sales call earlier this week. Dude had the money ready to go. Ready to pull the trigger. I said no to five grand. But the reason I did that is because we build automated systems for personal brands, right? For my strategies to work, you have to have an organic strategy that aligns with my automated strategy to rapidly scale a personal brand. And for you to rapidly scale a personal brand, you have to be committed and passionate about whatever it is you're promoting, whatever product or service it is. doesn't matter what it is. I don't give a fuck if you're selling cat collars or cars or houses mm. don't fucking matter like you need to love it you need to eat right and drink that shit anyways and this dude Bully. so for 20 years he sold like courses and shit to schools right that's obviously how passionate it is he was just doing it because it's 20 years and that's what he did for 20 years to make money then he launched a gym and he's running his gym successfully for seven years, but it's a local gym. He spends a lot of time and effort into building a local community. It's all local. He doesn't want to expand it. He wants to keep it an exclusive local gym. Like, all right, 
And he's like, what I want to do is build a personal brand around real estate. Why real estate? Well, you can make a lot of money in real estate, right? Isn't that what you do? Like, yeah, I make a lot of money in real estate, but it's because I work with realtors. And every realtor I work with is like, they eat, sleep, and drink real estate. Right. So you don't eat, sleep, and drink real estate. You're chasing it because you think you're going to make a lot of money. And then you're going to realize hard coming into this that you fucking hate it. Chasing so, the no, money. I will not the take path. your money because you are not chasing a passion. Right. Chasing money. You know, so when it, when it comes to personal branding, I think it should be very authentic to you. Very like, it, it, it should be something that aligns with you, your message, who you want to talk to, why you want to talk to them. Like, you've seen my branding. It's like fucking Sin City horror films. I don't know what the fuck your branding is, Big Mark. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I'm like... Well, I just, I've rebranded three times in the last 18 months. I know what it is, right? but it's, because so, like, it's so unique. It's it, so unique. No, I've never seen it before. It's like I'm 100% like, Big Mark, right? It's like... <laughs> yeah. It's what's in my head, right? Because in my head, when I think about the systems that I build, I'm thinking like, okay, I build systems that are so robust, that are going to work so well, that are going to be around for so many years. We could go into Tron, past Tron, so post-apocalyptic Tron, and my shit's still going to work. Right, so all of my branding, everything okay. I do is like we've hit the technology age, we've surpassed the technology age, but Big Mark shit is still working. That's why there's blood and gore everywhere. That's why it's broken down robots and broken down computers because in my mind, the, when your data comes to my servers, that's your data's final resting place. We just mm. had a funeral for your data. Because your data is not moving once it's here on Big Mark systems. So, like, yeah, every, so down to every pixel of my brand is, like, I'm representing systems that have to survive the apocalypse. That is genius, actually. I'm thinking through that, and I'm like, that is, like, if you, if you market that the right way, that is the gold mine of just... That's yeah, a lot to there, process. There's like um, this graphic that I have, right? Uh, this uh, this is how this is how much I get into into branding. There's another like when you go to my domains, everything is Big Marv's blueprint, Big Marv's content map, mm -hmm. Big Marv's wave makers, Big Marv's network, right? You, I'm happy. I'm confident in my ability. I've completely owned my personal brand and who I am. So that's another thing that when I've been working with new personal brands, it's like they have that fear of what are people going to think of me, especially if you're brand new, right? Like when I was that's brand new going from Microsoft to doing this, people thought I was a fucking clown. They're like, this dude just made the biggest mistake of his life. But, you know, but you just have to own it. And what really helped me own it was the dot-com secrets book by Russell Brunson. Because in that book, he teaches you about the attractive character. He teaches you about building a tribe and serving a tribe. You know, here, I want to just show a quick snippet of this.
this since we're on branding. So you can see like this is my personal brand blueprint, right? This background image, there's like the wave makers neon on the wall. The wave makers that is that is so nice. Right. Back here on the AC vent is the wave makers logo. Over here on the right is your future is created by what you do today, not tomorrow, with a bloody hand sign. There's like tons of hitting little things. I think another one of my backgrounds I have like 50 or 60 hidden little element elements talking about personal branding that if you were to open it up in Photoshop, you would see all these hidden puzzle pieces because mm -hmm. everything I do in my brand is like I'm leaving breadcrumbs. Right. A line back that bring you back to me. So even mm -hmm. if somebody were to pirate my shit, I have so many breadcrumbs interlacing my shit to show you it came from Big Marv that you're going to find Big Marv. So right. With right. personal branding, it's all about creating that persona and then just owning the fuck out of it. Like, you know how hard it was to own, put your dick on the table? It wasn't hard for me, right? But you know how much shit I got for it, right? It makes no sense. I don't understand. Funny you use hard as the language. You know, and it's just like, put your dick you on the table. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear what you said. What did you say? I said, funny you said that it was hard to own it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, but it that that's the other thing is like with personal branding you gotta toss out fear. But with personal branding, that is how you create a legacy. That's how you drive a vision. That's how you submit yourself. The people who really fuck with you being yeah. around for fifty years, a hundred years. You know, that's how you yeah. leave legacy behind that even after you're done doing this, somebody else is picking mm -hmm. up where you where you left off you know and it's it's, it's taken it's because me, establishing that you know? right right it's been it's taken me years to finally own up to my name entrepreneurship was the it was the way for me to embrace who i was because the last name mashman i've never met my biological father not to go on all into detail but i've never met my biological father i don't know the first thing about the mashman last name i know i know some stuff like i know some of the family but I hated my last name because of me never meeting my father. And then also because in school, like they would make fun of my last name, you know, and I was always very self-conscious. I was always that chubby little kid. Bro, I got Kaufman. Name. What's up? <coughs> you Kaufman. Yeah, yeah. Kaufman. Fuck you right. guys. You know, right. like, so fuck kids, I, man. <laughs> they were like mash, like mashed potatoes. Yeah, what are you trying to mash today, mash, man? Right. And so <laughs> I had to run for my last name and then, I finally got into the point and I saw it as an opportunity and I was like, dude, even before I got into this, I searched up Isaac Mashman, barely anything popped up. And I was like, and then I looked at gold Trump. mine, unique last names are gold mines. Right. And so I went and I, I looked at Donald Trump, love him or hate him. I understand that politically you can disagree. Donald Trump is one of the best personal brands on the planet. You look at the last name, Trump vodka, Trump hotels. Trump meets, Trump this, Trump that. And I was like, Mashman Hotels, Mashman Airways, Mashman Ventures. I was like, perfect. Right. And then I was like, you know, I was able to get at Isaac Mashman on every single social media platform. People would die to have their own unique name on their social media platforms. You know, like I was just working with a friend of mine. His name is John Michael Whitney, John, Jonathan Whitney. I can't do... Fucking big Marvel everywhere because there's other big Marvels out there. 
There's big right. more hip hop artists. There's big. There's starving Marvin restaurants. There's all kinds of things. So like I right. do have at Marv at night on everything, but it's Marv at night, which which I, I actually mean, want to talk in, to you in and of itself explains me and my persona, which is why I did Marv at night. Mm. Um, you know, because you can catch me at night, right? Like anybody, knows, about anybody that. that knows me knows that I'm impossible to get a hold of. Right when yeah, I see I my calendar, you know that it's going to be a week or two if you have to use that damn calendar. Otherwise, you know, good fucking luck. Um, yeah, I don't know when to when to find you, dude. It's it's kind of like a hit or miss. You can catch me <laughs> at midnight, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning because I'm always on at night. You know, and yeah, and so I was like, more of at night, like that's that's my thing. There we go. And like I established that that everywhere, but. I, I kind of had the same, I hated my name for the longest time because my dad's a piece of shit. My dad molested me. He molested myself, he molested my sisters. He, uh, like the only reason I have siblings is because of rape. Mm. You know, my my mom didn't plan the kids, but we were in the Bible Belt. You get pregnant, you're on the board. You know, so. I wanted to change my name at several points in my life. I was like, fuck the Kaufman name. Right. Fuck yeah. this. And I'm Marvin Wesley Kaufman the second, which means I'm named after directly after that piece of shit. You know, but then I started thinking of like, what came before that? Then I started looking up my family legacy. My grandfather is a retired Navy veteran that did fucking work. And then he put another 20 years in. A factory. After he put 20 years in serving the country, he put 20 years in at a factory. Can't Almost let one piece of shit ruin everything. He ran the family like a fucking champ, and like I was like, I owe it to my grandfather to leave a better legacy for the Kaufman name than my piece of shit father. Mm. That's powerful. That actually is encouraging me to look a little bit more into my my background a little bit. So, huh? That's that's an interesting. Man, I mean, one, it took a lot of guts to share that story, too, publicly. A lot of uh, personal growth. Right. It took a, to me a while to get that. And you know the crazy fucking thing, right? Because, like, he, he hasn't been part of my life since probably nine or ten years old. So when he was molesting us, it was all when we were young. And my, my mom, we told my mom about it. My mom, like, that's how she was able to get full custody of us. We had to go through weird doctor appointments where they were fucking examining us. Then we had to go to court and fucking. It, it was, was a very bad. It was an experience to say the least. And my mom won the court case. And here we are all these years later. He found me on Facebook. And after he found me on Facebook, it took me a year or two to even get the courage to call him. And for me, I wasn't even holding on to, you know, the animosity, you know, like for a long time, I was angry for a long time. I was like, he's a piece of fucking shit. Like I relate this fucking guy. I want to fucking kill him if I ever see him. Yeah. Like, and as I got older, I realized that it helped actually mold who I am. He's the, I used to feel exactly he's the reason I will never abuse women. 
Right. He, he's he's the reason that I, I treat people the way I do. Because you're the reason you're alive too. Yeah, he's the reason I'm fucking you know? on this planet. Right. Just right. becoming a human in and of itself is a feat. Because you exactly if you look up the numbers of how rare it is to actually be born, the fact that you have life on this planet means that you have a higher purpose for living. Right. So as I grew older, all I really wanted to know was why. Why did right. you do this to me? What what was missing in your life or what was so insecure in your life that you felt the need to touch your own children? Yeah. And when I called him as an adult, and this this was nine, ten years ago. I called him and I was just it was just why? Why did you do this? Why did you drop off the face of the planet? Why did you because at that time I had my first son and I could never imagine willingly putting my kids through the things that he went through. Right now I'm going through a custody battle and I haven't seen my little boy in 14 months and it's fucking killing me, bro. Like it's the hardest thing I've ever had to fucking go through. And so that's all I wanted to know. It took me two years to build up the courage to call him and ask him why. Mm -hmm. And when I called him, I don't know what to tell you, boy. Your mom's been filling your head with rumors and stories. None of that actually ever happened. And at that moment, you had all the clarity you needed to say, fuck yeah. you. At that moment, I was like, it's not cool. it. Fuck you. I was there. I have memories. Right. That's the uh, man. I can't quite relate to that same extent, but I can relate to the fact like I've, I've yet to have that conversation with my biological father. This is the most open I think I've ever been about the subject, but you know, I've never met him in person. I know my biological grandparents, great people. Um, but I used to, I remember when I was younger, I had so much anger towards him, so much anger. I was like, if I ever see you, I hope someone holds me back. Yeah, you know, the same way for so many years. And then I finally just reached this point of clarity where, you know what? I'm the reason, or he's the reason why I'm alive. He never did anything directly to me except walked out of my life. But every, but because of that, it made me who I am today. It got me on this weird fucking journey. Everything is for some reason happening for a reason. I don't know why, don't know how, don't know any of that. But regardless, it made me who I am today. And it, it led to everything to where I am, you know, today to where we're on this phone call, having this conversation and realizing that we kind of have a, a similar but different shared story. Um, and so, yeah, man, and that's like, that's been a big point for me too, because like, I'm a 19 and I'm not, I don't plan on getting a girl pregnant anytime soon. Like I, I need to get my own shit taken care of before I can even think about bringing a, a little one into the world, let alone dating someone, you know? And uh, for me, it's like, it's really opened up my eyes of like, okay, well, when I do have kids, do I have a daughter? Do I have a son? Well, regardless, what type of father am I going to be? How, you know, what's good for me? And, and I had a lot, I had a very tumultuous time with my stepfather. And so because of that, it's like, I'm picking and piecing parts of like, okay, well, what was good? What was bad? What could I do to improve it? And to where I could be the very best for my own kid, you know, and I'm building up a name for myself. So you're building it up around Big Mar. If I'm building up around Isaac Mashman, the Mashman last name, I will be the only Mashman that you've ever heard of out of the, out of my entire lineage. Before you met me, did you know a Mashman? No. And so I was like, yeah. you know, I'm going to leave that legacy for my future kids to where it's like the Mashman name will be right up there with, 
you know, Bernardo. Marvin's world, you know, exactly. like because that's where I built it. It's Marvin's world, you know, my my own utopia, my own version of utopia. Anyways, good. I can imagine you doing a video game in the future, and I really am curious to know what that video game would look like. I have an have idea. Have you ever played uh, Earthworm Jim? Yes. Imagine Earthworm Jim and that makes a lot of sense. And Wow had a baby. Don't know that one. World of Warcraft. So okay. World of World of Warcraft is like an MMO RPG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you pick your typical dwarf or fucking warrior class, and you level up your character, but you also get professions. It's an open world video game. So you I used to play games similar to that. So yeah, okay. Do skinning, leather working, blacksmithing, mining, fishing, tailoring, yeah. herbalism, archaeology. I was into Lord of the Rings online, and it was the same like, thing. Yeah, it's really um, cool because you it's open world. You can build up your professions. They even did an update where you can build your own port. So it would be like Earthworm Jim in a sense, like the the played style and like the environment because uh, like level number one, the junkyard dog, right? Where it's just these mountains of bolts and old metal pieces and you're, you're going through. So it'd be like the same functionality of World of Warcraft because I want people to be able to build their own uh, you better hit that sensor. There you go. I want to, um, I want people to be able to build their own utopians. Mm-hmm. You know, I want people to be able to build their own farms and trade and do professions, but I want it to be in a post apocalyptic setting. You know, the one, um, you, you've I'm, seen I'm Toy so Story, obsessed right? with like, what is this planet gonna look like 200 years from now? You've seen Toy Story, right? Oh, yeah. There was this one baby. It was a baby doll with, like, the legs of, like, a spider. Yeah, like, exactly. That's, that's what I think of. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I'm so obsessed with, like, um, taking things and building it and making it work with what you have. Mm. You know, like a rat rod. Like, I have a 64 Ford in my driveway that's built with 30 other cars. I've seen I've seen you you post about that and I'm like I imagine that, that it's you know pieces of other things you know into where it's like you made it work you, you mentioned that you built your first computer at 10 years old dude you took pieces and parts and, and you, you want to know how I built that computer so the people at my church right I guess I was going to church in the fucking bible belt so I went to church my whole fucking life different churches yeah and so one of the guys at the church um he he worked at like Geico, like a Geico call center, the, the insurance company. Um, and they had just upgraded all their computers. I, I believe it was in preparation for uh, Y2K. And they came, it, it might have not been preparation for that, but either way, they got like 30 new machines, right? And it, that's unheard of during that time. Like it's really heard of these days, but at that time, it's like, I, apparently they were pushing that upgrade for their office. Anyways, they were just going to throw away all the computers, the old ones. They were just going to toss them in the garbage. And when I'm talking about old computers, I'm talking about Windows like 95, 98. Yeah. Some of them had like Windows 3.1 NT. No I'm way. about 40 megabyte hard drives. 
That's great. Yep. You know, you're talking history. (laughs) You know, uh, 50 megabytes of RAM and shit. Like, you don't even have a gig of RAM. (laughs) And that's unbelievable. And my my stepdad at the time, which my stepdad is who I just call him dad. You know, my mm-hmm. my mom got married to him, and like that dude is just gonna dad. Like he's like the definition of this is how to raise a fucking kid. Mm. Uh, but he's a supercomputer nerd, and he was like, "Yeah, we'll take the computers and we set up, you know, like these white tables, like you see, like these fold-out tables, these plastic ones. We set those up in the garage. And we went out there and we Frankenstein." Like, so we had, like, one computer that had, like, a rate of 12 hard drives together with, like, all these memories. And then we had motherboards jumping together. So we, could, we built, like, this Monster Frankenstein computer. <laughs> and then, like, that's all I did every day after school is to go to the garage and, like, Just, figure out new ways to raid hard drives together, new ways to tie multiple computers. Like, I thought I was so cool because I took the uh, – because they had the old box CRT monitors, right? Which have like the stand and everything on it. So yeah. like LED monitors these days where you can just buy a monitor mount and mount six monitors. Back nah. in the day, I had to take a screwdriver, unscrew the stand off of it, and use wood and stack up six CRT monitors. I thought yeah. I was the coolest kid in the fucking neighborhood. <laughs> and then... It got really crazy because I got cardboard boxes and like built this fort around it. So I had like this computer you had a man cave in my then. garage. At 10 that was years a man old. cave. Just, <laughs> if you ever wanted to find me, I was always in the garage. Like I was just obsessed. Like that's cool. That's cool. And it made, and those little things shape who you are, man. Like I remember I was in sixth grade and um, me and my buddy Kevin. He's he's my best friend of the day. Uh, I imagine we're, we're going to be friends until we're 90 years old but I used to I, I've always had entrepreneurial tendencies so when I was in sixth grade I used to take apart pins and I would turn them into little pin guns and I was like I don't know how I ever how like I never got suspended for any of this shit but I got uh, like the, the pilot g2 pins and I would spring load them and like literally fire them at my friend and like fire them against the wall and stuff Dude, that, was, that was the best <laughs> and then I did a catalog I did a literal catalog it was called a pin industries and I might launch the company in the future just for shits and giggles, but it's like I literally took these pins and I made a catalog and I would like try to sell them to other students. And that like the, those are just so, some of the small things that make you who you are. You It'd know, be like that, Russell Brunson's fucking potato gun. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, he became a millionaire and it all started with a fucking potato gun. <laughs> right? Out of all things. Out of potato. all things, it started with a fucking potato gun. A potato gun. Are you still <laughs> blows my mind? Like a fucking potato gun? Are you serious? But then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, look at the stack that he had. Like, he's so good at marketing. Like, he developed a value stack, a value ladder before we even knew what a fucking value ladder was. Right. Right? Because he was like, Here's the video on how to create a potato gun. Now we put together this kit for the potato gun. We just send it to you. Oh, and if you do that, we'll send you all these prepackaged potato pellets to go with your potato gun. So you don't even have to core your own potato. Bro, like you had paid twenty dollars to sit there with a potato all day. Like, hold on, I'm making bullets for my gun. 
just popping pops out of a potato. Oh, there's 30. There's another five bucks. <laughs> like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, but that, that also speaks to the power of marketing, man. You're literally able to sell anything. Like, you know, wish.com. Have you, you gotten Facebook take, ads? You take advantage of people's it. laziness, dude. Like, humans, that's like the catch 22 of being a human, right? It's like we have the ability to do anything. We're so fucking lazy. We want like the most efficient, quickest way. That's why there's guys like me. Like I'm obsessed with removing as many humans as possible in a technical setup. Mm -hmm. An automated system, as many humans as I can eliminate, I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. Right? Well, people are the same way. They're like, how can I go to the grocery store without actually going to the grocery store? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, if I was an engineer, I had I had this time in my life where I considered being an engineer. And if I was to have gone down that route, I would have been an industrial engineer because their entire purpose is to eliminate people and to make the systems as efficient as possible. The you know the like okay, well, like for example, I've been breaking apart the way that you function with the team. Like I'll literally see what you do, and I'm like I'll, I'm breaking it apart piece by piece, and I'm like from the from the exact platform you use from Google Suite to how the Google Drive is set up like like your Google Drive that you have for the team I went ahead and took the same exact thing and I'm like I implemented it into my own business so now I have folders for you know like artists for contracts for templates and I just organized everything to make my life as easy as possible because I'm like it's just like it's a game to me like it's a game it's something I want to see how efficient I can get how good I can get how many like just as you how, how many people can I eliminate it's like how can I get the most exposure? The entire concept of marketing is to get the most results with the least amount of money, with the least amount of effort, with the most exposure. Yeah. And how That's you the do that? Concept of marketing. How do you do that? The right message to the right person at the right time. How do you do that? The automation based on engagement. And you have the perfect formula right there. And it's like it's it's applicable to every other area of life. Yeah. It, yeah, it doesn't matter like that's why, so what I try to tell people, and this is the difference, like the biggest differentiator in what I do versus what other coaches do. It actually drives me crazy because I've been called a guru before. I'm not a fucking guru. I'm a trained expert. I'm a technical expert. I don't know my skill set because I learned, a, yes, I've paid for a lot of courses, but I didn't just three years ago take a course and be like, all right, I'm fucking big mortgage. No, motherfucker, this has been. It's like a Buddha moment, control. right? You know, um, but, but it's like, <clears throat> where was I going with that? I was going somewhere with that. You're not your guru. I, I'm, I'm not a guru. I'm a trained expert, but I was going, I was going somewhere. I was going somewhere. I'm not sure where that train was going. What were you just saying? Cause man, it was so good. I just lost it. Ask Einstein. He's behind you. Yeah. Einstein. What the fuck? Bro? <laughs> um, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Damn, you ever have like those moments where you're like, I hate it. And then you're it. like, fuck, where did he go? That Come almost happened here. a couple Yeah, Come that happened here. a couple times in the conversation, actually. And I was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, oh, it, it was about, you know, branding and automation. The biggest thing about the difference between what I do and what other people are doing, right? What other people are doing are their developing processes, which is good, right? Processes mm -hmm. key to scale, right? That's why I use naming conventions and shit. Like you said, my G drive is so organized because I use naming conventions because I want people to be able to 
to look at it without even opening the folder and know what it is they're looking at, what mm -hmm. they're about to get into. When I build automated systems, it's the same thing. What's next? What are they doing? What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? The like, smallest I'm, I'm always thinking like, what's this person going to do after that? Okay, they read that email. What are they going to do after that? They clicked that link. What are they going to do after that? What are they going to do after that? What are they going to do after that? So I'm teaching a principle, right? Because I'm because it's a core principle, not like not reliant on a platform. It's mm -hmm. not reliant on a certain process. It's not reliant on a recipe. It's just a core principle of like if you just operate at this core level, everything will change. Right, mm -hmm. that that's that's the di biggest differentiator. It, is you can become more efficient. You can automate. You can eliminate the humans. Get rid of the monotonous, the tedious tasks. And the small details add yeah, up too. And, People and, don't and realize that. Yeah, everything compounds. Right. It's like yeah. well, when I create a in user account, it really only takes me five to ten minutes. Okay, what happens when you serve a thousand people? Right. How many right. minutes? is that five to 10 minutes now. And you know, we all know that not every person is going to take five to 10 minutes. You're going to have a handful of people that are a handful and it takes an hour maybe, mm -hmm. you know? You know, with branding, for example, man, like I've had a, like, when it comes to branding, I go and I look for the smallest details possible. There's this new application that I got on called Rizzle. It's a new video sharing platform. And I reached out because I had some ideas for their social media page. And then I went to the Facebook and then I went down, I examined the entire Facebook page and I was like, I went down to the social links, like the click on links and I clicked on each one. And it's like, you know how you can do like an open in a new tab or use the same tab whenever you're doing a website. I noticed that Instagram, LinkedIn, Reddit, they always open up the apps. But for Facebook, what did it do? It reloaded the page instead of opening up a new tab. And so I was like, it would be, it would make more sense for you to open up a new tab to where people don't have to go and consistently refresh if they want to go to Rizzle, focusing on like the smallest details possible. You know, the contact email in, in your bio, does the bio have an emoji? Is there a space between the emoji and between the text? Because humans are be beings of the subconscious, right? Our subconscious determinants determines things. For example, the colors that we see, red yeah. is a color of action. It, blue it is a color of trust. Red, blue, and green. You know, like it, My it really does. For a it yeah. boils down to RGB all day. And people go and skip over the small details when in actuality those details add up. Like you said, the compound effects where you have one flaw, it gets flawed in one area, and then it's flawed in another area, and then another one, and then another one. You know, you shoot an arrow one degree off, that arrow instead of going straight is going to wind up over to your far right. Yeah, you know? like that's one a perfect analogy, right? Mm -hmm. Like a sniper analyzing wind. Analyze an angle, analyze the wind, drop, yeah. analyze uh -huh. all of this, right? So, bullet, paint, what type of bullet, what paint, type of gun? Like, it's a straight shot, but you're not analyzing all the little things that could fuck that shot up. Absolutely. And you're like, I don't get it. I'm on the top of a mountain. There's no trees or nothing in the way. The fucking target's 150 meters long. Why am I not hitting the target? I have the the perfect rifle, have the perfect 50 cal ammunition. For whatever like reason, I can't put a fucking hole in this wall. Well, yeah. are you calculating wind speed? You calculate in the drop because you're up on a cliff and the target's down here. 
mm-hmm. or you calculate and all these and i'm not a fucking all the variables so you guys don't <laughs> i'm not a fucking sniper i don't actually know how to fucking hit a target from 100 yards away but i'm just saying like <laughs> I, I know the I know the physics behind what goes. The analogy, it. yeah, everything you know, is so, detailed. And it and it's, it is a detail, like I just showed you guys in my funnel earlier, just the microscopic like the details that everything boils down to the details. Like I noticed the clock. Even the, that was the first thing I noticed on that landing page. The clock, the sign, and then the clock. Things that we wouldn't even know. Clock is on the bottom left side. Yeah, and it because it's, it's time to take action. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, Marv, we've been going on for like two hours, I think. Yeah, and I dude, every every fucking time. I got, every I got fucking time. Man. I think the last <laughs> one was like two, two and a half hours long, too. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, why I've got two hours like, for this slot. Man. Um, but yeah, man, to wrap this up, because yeah, like you said, we have been going for a minute here. Uh, tell us a little bit about Mashman Ventures and how we can how we can find you. I know you got your Chase the Vision podcast, which sure, I think we you guys should all <laughs> fucking look up his Chase the Vision podcast. Um, we were going I, on a whole bunch of different things, my man. We went. Dude, that's just how life goes sometimes, you know. This right. that's why this is uncut, unfiltered. That's why this is like a yep. podcast you will never listen to anywhere else. Big Marv does not prep questions. I I just don't do it. I want raw, real, live communication. You know, yes, so sir. speaking of raw, uncut, give us some raw, uncut about Mashman Adventures, and I'll let you out of it. Definitely, and I can only imagine the conversation that we're going to have in person when we meet face to face, my man. Um, <laughs> shit. Okay. Well, yeah, guys. Um, you know, speaking to you all, I mean, my name is Isaac Mashman. Not kidding. <laughs> uh, I went ahead and I launched a media company back in July called Mashman Media. Uh, it was focusing on all social media services and stuff. And I realized that that really wasn't where my passion lied. You know, speaking of from a passion versus money point of view, and I wanted to be different. And uh, I recognized my passion was in the music industry, or at least making, I want to be able to make a lot of money and have a lot of fun at the same time. I don't want to be a very like, bo- I don't want to get into something that's boring. Um, and so I decided to, you know, relaunch Mash Media into Mashman Ventures. And it is now a diversified media entertainment and management company. Um, I'm managing three separate artists, LV Indy out of Jacksonville, Florida, my home city, Diggy Dirk out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, and then James Cahill, who was born in Chicago, is now based out of Los Angeles. And so I'm working on helping these artists expand their careers. Um, Ultimately, I'm just trying to make a difference and help as many people as possible recognize their potential and dreams and become the very best version of themselves. Um, Damn, dude, I got so much going on. I need to get better at my elevator pitch. But uh, <laughs> with two, two of the artists that I'm working on, um, they're going to be signed to my record label, Excess Records. The, the concept is excessively living, doing what most people want to live how most people will never live. Um, and so I'm working on doing the record label. But like you said, Marv, I got uh, the Chase the Vision podcast, which was actually the Hustler's Choice podcast. And I was like, you know what? Uh, I, just, I moved out of the entrepreneurial space and rather more so just the Isaac Mashman space more self-improvement. I thought that I was limiting myself. And so rebranded to chase the vision with Isaac By Mashman. The way, I think was an amazing move on your part to go from, dude, it's just, I think it, it aligns with my superiority complex thing that I subconsciously developed, right? I think by polarizing as like a hustler network, you kind of by accident subconsciously put yourself in that. Yeah. Only yeah. hustlers can be in this group. You know, right. but what, 
What if they have the potential to be a hustler, but they need to learn from the hustlers first? Yeah. You know, so like I think by changing it to chase the vision. Right. It had a negative connotation. You know? Yeah, and I feel like I just felt like I was limiting myself, man. And so I launched Chase the Vision with Isaac Mashman. You can find that Apple Podcast, Spotify, um, all freaking platforms amazingly. Um, and I would definitely appreciate it if you guys took a listen to that and left a five-star review. The more reviews I get, the higher my uh, you know podcast ranks. And um, I'm looking to really help as many people as possible chase the vision, whether you want to be an underwater basket weaver, you want to be the next you know Bill Gates, whatever you want to do. Yeah, right, right. What water it? basket weaving, holy shit. <laughs> I think that but I guarantee that you get some GoPros underwater and you record that shit, you go and build a business out of it. Goddamn guarantee. People are going to pay a lot of money for them baskets. Underwater basket weaving is out of the question because I'm moving into that field. Not, <laughs> um, <laughs> but not I'm going to be the number that. one basket weaving motherfucker underwater. Damn straight. Damn straight. Uh, the other <laughs> thing, too is team legacy which was a facebook group if you listen to episode 18 of big marv's network which is also available on spotify apple Podcasts, stitcher breaker everywhere uh we talked about team legacy and team legacy is a facebook group that i started way back in august to help people really get connected and be legacy focused and i, I kind of transitioned i realized that that didn't quite line up with what i was going for so i changed it to link and grow which is another facebook group that basically is trying to encourage people to link with other like-minded people and grow together, you know, as simple as it can get. Um, so if you want to be a part of that, just reach out to me. I mean, you can find me at all social media at Isaac Mashman, go to my website, IsaacMashman.com, find everything you need right on the website. Um, and so, yeah, Marv, I mean, it was a pleasure. <laughs> That's to be where you can find Isaac, my dudes. So let's give Isaac, I'm the only motherfucker on here, so I'm going to be the only clapper. Let's give Isaac a round of applause Woo! from a big Marv network. This has been an incredible relaunch of the show. I'm excited to start doing these every Friday. So if you guys would like to be featured on Big Marv's Network, tell your story, chop it up with me. Uh, let, let us know what you do. Just go to bigmarvlive.com slash the network, and you can book your slot to be on the show. Once again, thanks again, Isaac, so much for being on the show. Every much Friday, time. 6 p.m. PST. Find us on all available streaming platforms, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Android, Spotify, you name it. You go look up Google Big Marks Network. I'm on the first page. You're going to find me. Thanks to my man, Isaac Mashman at Mashman Adventures. You guys have a good one. This is Big Marv. One love. Peace, my man. <laughs>